welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. It's time for the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Leland McRae. Joe Deck is with me. We're going to talk about the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. Let's jump into it, Joe. I, we got to read the headline. We're going to save talking about it, but we are both pumped that Fort Defiance failed to win on Friday night, especially at being against Rockbridge, a team that just seems to eat at them in, in years past where uh, I'm just so glad they're able to get that victory Friday. Yeah, me too. And, and that was kind of a game that in years past it cost Fort Defiance a playoff spot maybe was the fact yeah. that they weren't able to get over that hill against Rockbridge. Uh, this year they took them down, and uh, frankly a game that you and I didn't give them much credit uh, or much of an opportunity to win, they they went out there and they took them down. So good for them. Uh, and again, like you said, we'll talk about that more in depth, and we'll talk to Coach yeah. Rolf in the B block. Yeah, it's a, it's a tip for all you other schools. If uh, if you get a game-winning field goal in a game that we did not pick you to win by, by a lot, uh, we're going to try to get somebody from your team on the podcast the next game. So we'll have Coach Rolf in the uh, B block there. So look forward to that. And uh, hopefully you don't want to skip forward to that. Hopefully you'll listen to what we – talk about here as we jump into this Stanton Waynesboro game Joe that you were at where Waynesboro just came out swinging and went up big early and continued it all night yeah uh you know I talked to it's funny my brother isn't in the area but he knows enough about the high school football in this area just from us talking on the phone on weekends he listens every week right he listens to the podcast every week right sure he listens he actually does <laughs> now he did tell me in passing one time like oh yeah i listen to it as i go to sleep and i'm like oh that, that doesn't seem like a compliment <laughs> but um so apparently it helps with insomnia if if that's something that afflicts you but uh he knows from the podcast and also from talking to me uh sometimes on drive backs after i get off the phone with you but I, I kind of, he goes, well, I thought, you know, Waynesboro State was going to be a good game. And I was like, well, this is not your uh, kids version of the little giants. This little giants team comes out and punches you in the mouth. And that's exactly what happened. Waynesboro goes right down the field. Ryan Barber has another huge game. They score immediately. Then Stanton has a great kickoff return. Until the very end of it, where the ball gets punched out, Waynesboro recovers it before it goes out of bounds. They score another quick touchdown, and then the ball gets snapped over Walker Darby's head and into the end zone for a safety. And I mean, before you blink, it, we're not even three minutes into the game, and it's sixteen nothing. I was blinking. I missed the first score, so I don't. I only thought it was nine nothing when it was sixteen nothing. Yeah, uh, because it all happened so quick and. I, you know, I said, you know, we thought it would be close. We, we thought Waynesboro were going to win. That's what we predicted mm-hmm. before the game started. And, and we had increased confidence in what Waynesboro was doing. But we did not expect, you know, uh, 51 points out of Waynesboro. I, I, I'll, I'll put that on both of us, that we did not expect that. And uh, it makes me excited. This is one of those teams that in August I didn't say a lot of big things about. But I watched them in week one play Riverheads in a game that they got ran over, like, Pretty much every team that plays Riverheads does. But you could see the pieces that week, even in that loss, and it's the same pieces this week, and even add some names. They had some guys out at the beginning of the season. Add some names to that list. The Powell kid running so well. I didn't even think I could see him. Uh, Nathan Best played a much bigger role in the game I called. But they have these pieces that they can do a lot with. And where I was worried about them as we started getting 
uh, to the end of their district season because they have one more game in the district and then they're out of the district. They're, they're you know, they're posting their score uh, for the day there and is their defense. And so I was really excited in this game, even though they got up early, they still had a really good defensive effort in this game, kept Stanton from really doing a lot of what they wanted to. Sure, Stanton had a couple good plays, but that defense really did their job as well. So it was it was really the best of both sides of the ball. Yeah, I came away impressed with Waynesboro's defense in this ball game. And and again, I think, you know, offensively I had seen it. I hadn't seen it to this magnitude though. And uh to that credit, and you know, th- I think this goes a big a big credit to Coach Jarvis and what he's accomplished there at Waynesboro. I don't think I've called three Waynesboro games or I've called three Waynesboro games in three years before this, we're going to call three straight on the radio because of where they are as a program. They played Wilson. That was a big game. Stanton was a big game. Next week is Buffalo Gap. That's a big game. That's going to be fourth place in the Shenandoah District, in my opinion. Now, Buffalo Gap wins that. They might have something to say about where they finish. But um, if Waynesboro wins that game, yeah, if Waynesboro wins that game, that's the fourth place team in the district. And that's a huge jump for Waynesboro, a team that, you know, Leland and I keep talking about it, but two years ago, they didn't have enough kids to play all their games. So now, yeah, now they are out there and not only do they have enough kids to play, they are waxing people. And Ryan Barber is a machine. That kid runs hard. He is a good runner. I enjoy watching him play. And their quarterback Jones is young. And if he keeps maturing at the pace he's going now, he is going to be an absolute threat in the years to come. That's the, that's the stat that shows up on three guys in particular on the offensive side of the ball that really stand out to me the most is Blake Jones, Jr., Ryan Barber, Jr. And you have uh, down the list, Omir Foster, Jr. You have a weapon on the outside. You have your running back who is, you know, making a name as one as the best running back in the district. I mean, he's, he's in that discussion, no matter how you mm-hmm. want to cut it, uh, you know, with, with anybody at Riverheads and um, Aaron nice draft. I mean, there's, there's Noah Campbell guys from all over the place. Noah Campbell. I mean, there's a lot of good, it's the Shenandoah district, a good running back on every team, but Ryan Barber has better stats. You know, I mean, he has uh shoot. He had three touchdowns this week uh, and he coming into the game, he had seven rushing ta- touchdowns already. So, I mean, he's over 10 touchdowns on the season already. And, I, I'm just excited about the opportunity this week that they have against Buffalo Gap to really place themselves in the Shenandoah district and, and, and post a good finish considering where they've been especially and really have something to build off as you go into next year when all those guys that are juniors will still be around. But also, I just am really looking forward to this team playing their four non-district games against all their old district teams from the Valley District and and taking this fourth or fifth, seeing what we get this week, but fourth or fifth best team in the Shenandoah District and watch them roll through maybe all or most of these Valley District teams. I was going to say, I just don't think the Valley District's going to have much for them. I, I don't. And what Ryan Barber is doing to these teams in the Shenandoah District, I think he's going to do to these teams in the Valley District. I think they're going to whoop up on their opponents that they play. And that's I, a credit to Waynesboro. That's are going down to Waynesboro. Say it again. Waynesboro's beating Rockbridge and Spotswood. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think those that, two that's, games that's are two wins. Four right there. It's, it's happening. And then I think TA, Broadway, I don't count them out of either one of those ball games. And, and Especially if they do win those other two Depending games, on I, what I they, they do to Rockbridge and Spotswood, I might favor them in those games. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the thing. I think Waynesboro has jumped up. And 
you know, ironically, the year they leave the Valley District is maybe the year they would have won it. But um, <laughs> man, <laughs> that th- this team is playing super well, and, and I hope they can keep it up because I would love for them to not only get in the three C playoffs, but maybe maybe make some noise when they get there if they get the right draw. It it would be interesting. Uh, that's a tough task, and we'll get there. But uh, I mean, we got to say his name, Brandon Jarvis. Huge credit to him on what he's been able to do with this team so far. No matter what happens next week, heck of a first season in the Shenandoah district, uh, even though I think they're going to beat Buffalo Gap. Uh, but I, I just think a heck of a job he's doing. Um, coaching in the spring is his first action. So all he knows is COVID chaos, and, he, and he's really making the most of it, uh, really turning this program around. Mm-hmm. Let's, I agree. Let's, uh, we'll skip past a long discussion on Stanton because it just wasn't their best night. Uh, but they're two and two, and uh, yeah, they they're going to have some some growing to do. But let's move on to Wilson Memorial. They were down early to Spotswood, and uh, it was the beginning of the fourth quarter before they found the lead in that ball game. And they really struggled through that first half. And I saw this in the paper, and I think I saw a quote from one of the players on End Zone that. They didn't change their strategy at halftime. They didn't go into the halftime locker room and say, well, this is what we got to do different. And we got to do more of this. We got to change. They just said, we have the right plan. We just got to play better. And that impresses me so much from this team that is really growing. And we, and we see them on the right move that they have that confidence that they have that awareness that they knew what they had was going to work. They just had to, you know, execute better. And then the, the fact that they were able to do that. I'm just really impressed with that. I, I thought they were favored against Spotswood, so I didn't like those early scores. But then I think that final score does show that I think they're 20 points better than a Spotswood team, if not more. And, and they, they proved how good they were in the end. And, and you know, they, they are who we thought they were is, is kind of the quote that comes to my mind. It just took a little bit to get there. But, again, Noah Campbell just went off in the process of this. Yeah, Noah Campbell has another big game, kind of like uh, Ryan Barber. At Waynesboro, he's another back that is just blowing me away with his stat lines that he's racking up. 287 yards, four touchdowns against Spotswood. I mean, you're saying yeah, 20 points better. He's a senior, so he's cashing in here. Yeah, the season, but, but uh, what does yeah, that say? I was going to say, I think, I think this just proves kind of what we had just said about Waynesboro looking ahead to the Valley District. Wilson played about as ugly of a first half as they could and they end up winning this game by 20 points. I mean, they absolutely blow the doors off Spotswood. So I think when when we're talking about this, and you and I have shown this in our Super 6, and it comes up in our, whenever we talk about this now, you and I off, off the podcast, so let's go ahead and put it on the podcast. The Shenandoah District is so much better than the Valley District this year. It is not even funny. I mean, we're talking about Waynesboro, who is, the fourth or fifth best team in the Shenandoah district. And we think they could win the Valley district if they were in it this year, or at yeah, least I, I do. So I think, I, I think I when think, we look at this, Wilson is a team. I said, I want to see Waynesboro get in there and maybe make some noise in the playoffs. I think Wilson will be in the th- three C playoffs. And I think as long as they avoid, you know, a, a Seminole district team, uh, which they should, given where they will probably be in the region three C ratings, PowerPoints. Yeah, they, they, they will be fine. They will make noise in that first round. Now, whatever, wherever they end up, and then wherever those teams end up might determine how far they go in that 3C playoff. But I think Wilson is a team that 
has done a great job. Coach Bugden, like Coach Jarvis, has done a fantastic job in almost no time there at Wilson turning this thing around. And the Green Hornets are starting, for my for the first time since I've been here, starting to look like the team that I've been told, you know, oh, this Wilson team, you know, they used to be a team that you'd be worried about, you know, in the district and winning the district. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to win the district, yeah. obviously, with Riverheads and drafts still in it, but Wilson is playing very, very well. What I like about the growth of this football team is last spring I, I was I was calling it out early, and, and then they kind of lived up to that, and, uh, you know, they, they kind of got to that three mark. They beat Buffalo Gap in that, in that spring season, and they kind of claimed that three mark. Now I feel like what they're doing with this 3-0 and start and knowing that they have some wins left on the season, I, I see them, yeah, they still would love to win this district. They'd like to knock off Riverheads and draft and, or one of them or however. But, like, now I'm seeing the progression towards what can we, you know, let's get to the playoffs this year, see what we can do, and then use that for the next year and to what we can do in these 3C playoffs. Because as, as we've seen, you know, Riverheads and Stewart's draft – could handle, you know, the three C <laughs> they could play with some Brookville's and, and maybe tough games, but they could handle that. So if Wilson's kind of catching up to that area where they weren't a couple years ago, you know, I, I like their chances in, in one of those games and be in one of these teams that, you know, you know, LCA and Brookville and uh, Rustburg and all those guys, they don't, they don't see them all the time. Like all these other Shenandoah district teams and, and they could surprise somebody. So I, I'm really liking the growth that Drew Bugden has there. Yeah, I think Coach Bugden has done a great job there, and I'm interested to see what they do the rest of the way down the season. And then, like you said, you know, looking ahead, what they can build off of this year and turn yeah. it into next year. And and I like this matchup this week against Western Albemarle because there's another good team. You know, we we just concede, hey, the best teams they play is uh, Riverheads and Draft, but Western Albemarle, a darn good football team, a really good program, four and zero. They just beat Goochland last week, so. You know, that's a heck of a test right there. That's, you know, right in the same area as strength as what they'll see with Riverheads and uh, and Stewart's draft. So mm-hmm. if they're in this ball game or find a way to win it, how much confidence does that have giving them moving forward? I, I do not think they get run over by Western Albemarle, but I do think it's a big challenge for them. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch the scores coming in this game and see how this game develops. I agree. And it's at Western, so they'll go down. It's interesting, these two teams, you know, we think about Western's just right over the mountain there. Uh, these teams haven't played since 1983. So, uh, and, and they only played four times there in the beginning of the 80s, and Western whooped up on Wilson back then. But, uh, yeah, I think it's cool to get some of these teams. I, I hate these teams that are just a county away not, not playing, uh, and that goes for the whole district. And so uh, I'm excited that this, this matchup's happening. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. So Buffalo Gap, they went over to Bath County. And, and really what I have to say about that is you, you can't ask for anything more out of Buffalo Gap than what they did this week. They, they pitched a shutout. Their defense was dominant. They got their passing game going in this game. They got other, everybody involved. They put up a big offensive number. You just There's no negative to what Buffalo Gap did this week. I, I believe they got away without any injuries, too. So uh, really happy that – Gap was able to have such a positive week. I feel like the loss to Larray, the one-point win against East Rock, you still like, well, are they or aren't they? And where where do they really stack up? And when, you, when we talk about our power six, you know, what where where does Gap sit? You know, this is a week that you couldn't ask for anything better out of them. They did. They went ter- t- took care of business. No hesitation to it. 
and uh, really had a good week. And, and I, I just want to point out the passing game that I'm so worried about. They got that going a little. They're going to need it this week against Waynesboro. If they want to beat Waynesboro, they're going to have to pass the ball for 75 plus yards. Maybe not a touchdown, you know, not a crazy amount of yards, but they're going to have to have some success downfield with, with getting the ball out from the backfield. I agree. I, and I think, you know, we know Bath County's not a lot to write about in terms of what they're going to bring to, to yeah, uh, difficulty of your schedule, but they beat them like that. So that's good. And, yeah. and Buffalo Gap took care of business. Like you said, they worked some stuff out. I think in the pregame, that's actually what we said. We need to see Buffalo Gap be able to throw the ball this week because they're, gonna, they're not going to need it to beat Bath County, but they're going to need it to beat Waynesboro. And yep. we got to see that a little bit. The defense played phenomenal, like you said. And I, I'm excited about this game. I think this is going to be a fantastic game between Buffalo Gap and Waynesboro. I think these two teams are going to be great matchups for each other, not because they're the same, but because Buffalo Gap, I think, defensively, I want to see how they handle the passing of Waynesboro. And vice versa, I want to see what Buffalo Gap can do. Buffalo Gap, when they've had success, have been able to run the ball, not a problem. But I think Waynesboro's going to be one of the tougher teams they've played defensively, if not the toughest, in terms of being able to stop that. So I want to see, okay, when they're faced with a third and medium to third and long, does Buffalo Gap trust themselves enough to be able to drop back and mix it up and try to drop in a pass for a first down? We'll find out. Uh, I think Coach Wygant is going to have Buffalo Gap ready to play in that game. This is a game that is very important for Buffalo Gap. They're going to be in the 1B playoffs regardless, but you kind of want to be as high as you can to avoid Riverheads as long as you can in that Region 1B playoffs. Uh, And so, yeah, yeah, so for Buffalo Gap, this is an important game in that I think they're going to need to win this to keep a higher rating in that 1B playoffs. Yeah, their next two weeks is Riverheads and Stewart Straff. So you definitely want to get all the momentum you can while you have it. And also to build up your confidence going into those tough games. Because, uh, I mean, they're not going to go into those games thinking they're going to lose. Uh, so you want to go into that game on a good foot. And uh, I, it'll, it'll, I, I just think we'll learn so much from this game. Just even how it goes, even about the losing team, we're going we're gonna to learn so much. So I, I, I join you that I'm very excited about that. Um, these two teams, they played only twice in recent years, uh, I think in 05 and 06, uh, and Gap won both of those. And then they hadn't played since uh, the 60s and 70s before that. So the district, Brennan, these two teams that are only, you know, miles apart, you know, not too far apart here. Uh, it's, it's cool to see these teams getting back together. Uh, down on Saturday, down the road, Riverheads traveled, and they took care of business they won 56 19 a game they're leading 42 nothing to half it was interesting uh they taswell took the approach of we're going to pass it we're going to pass it 40 uh how many times is it 44 times and they completed 30 of them 30 completed passes against riverheads but it was only added up to 300 yards so that's what 10 10 yards a catch yeah and riverheads did a great job at not allowing a huge play and keeping them in front of you in front of themselves, the defenders did a good job. And then when there was opportunities for a turnover, Riverheads didn't miss. They had, I think, four interceptions, recovered a punt. They, and that's what Riverheads does. does. They, they really take advantage of the turnovers and, and do it a great job there. Uh, one of the receivers, Harris, for 
Taswell apparently tied a VHSL record of catching 20 balls in the game. Uh, I, I read that in the paper. But again, he only had he only averaged just under 10 yards a catch. And I mean, he was catching a lot of balls, six yards down the field and getting tackled right there. Then he had a couple more that went longer and it averaged out to about that 10. But a lot of times Taswell just couldn't piece together, you know, six of those <laughs> plays in a row where they'd get two good catches, three good catches, get into Riverhead's territory. Then there'd be the penalty. Then there'd be the sack or then there's the turnover. So uh, it was a take care of business game for Riverheads and, and Kane could cash. I, I feel like I always, I don't talk about the running back, like the, the, the guy getting the ball the most for Riverheads enough. And when it was Zach Smiley, I didn't talk about it. When it was Logan Moore before him, uh, there's guys in between them, Hostetler and other guys. I never feel like I talk about that, that guy enough. Caden Cook Cash is special. I, I mean, four touchdowns, I know in this game is expected, but you know, what he's been able to do in these previous games against George Straft, still finding the end zone in that game that was such a tough game. Lord Botetot, he had a bunch of stats. I mean, he just he just really showed how special he was on Saturday. It was a great example, and I know it was against lesser competition, but just taking on contact and then getting out of it and not just falling forward, speeding away from it and picking up 20 more yards or going to the end zone. He's just – he is such a good running back. And we talk a lot about Barber already. We talk about Noah Campbell already. And I think we just get used to Riverheads running back being there, and so we want to highlight these other guys that aren't a Riverheads running back, but – it's for good reason. These guys are so well coached and, and they, you can see the weight room just on them. You could just see the weight room on these kids. And uh, he does a great job. Game Cook Cash is just the man. Yeah. I, I don't have much to add. I mean, <sighs> Riverhead's blowing out Taswell is not surprising. Um, yeah. Taswell being able to put up those kind of numbers and still finding a way to get blown out is a little surprising. Um, but like you said, four interceptions will do that. Uh, other turnovers as well. And and for for Taswell, you know, this was a game last year that Riverheads was was in a dogfight with. And then this year, I know they graduated a lot from that team. But this year, Riverheads went down there, and it was a it was a business trip, like you said. And they and they took care of business. And for Riverheads, this the streak is something that all of us are paying attention to. And Riverheads cares about it in the sense that they want to be winning every game they play, but it's not the end-all, be-all there. Their end-all, be-all is a state championship. That's what they expect, and that's what that's why they're going to win one um, because it's not new to them, and they're, they're expecting it. These kids have never not won a state championship, and I don't think this is going to be the group that doesn't do it. I, I just don't see anyone in Class 1 holding a candle to this team, and frankly, I don't see anyone on this schedule holding a candle to them, and that's no disrespect to... Wilson or draft or anybody else. I know draft was, was in that game for a little bit, even at a lead uh, at halftime in the first matchup. But I just don't think that's going to be the case the second time around. And I, I just, I think Riverheads is that much better than everyone else. It's not saying everyone else isn't good. It's just saying Riverheads is that much better. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing, I kind of went back and looked because we kind of hit around this point all the time. Noah Smiley is the only guy on the roster that was on the roster the night that Riverheads played East Rock at the last time they lost a football game. So someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what the rosters from <laughs> those two games tell me. And uh, he was a freshman back then. So you talk about these kids on this team, other than Noah Smiley, you said none of them haven't won a state championship. None of them lost a football game at the varsity levels. And that's just so incredible 
And whether they're keeping track of 41 in a row or not, it's hard for that pressure not to be there, <laughs> not to be in their minds that, you know, you know, I haven't lost, I can't lose now. And, and I think that helps drive them do the work that's necessary during the week and during the off season to keep that going. I don't think it's a thing that shows up Friday night as much. They don't really play tight on Friday night, but I think that kind of expectation of greatness that is the culture there uh, just tends to be really what drives a Monday through Thursday. And then we see the results on Friday night because man, they come prepared. I mean, you could just see they were prepared film film review of Tazewell before they went down there. You didn't have to really watch too hard to realize they knew exactly what was coming and, and they were ready. Yeah. Um, so the game, we have Riverheads as a bye next week and a much deserved uh, week off in the middle of this five game road trip that they're on. They played three of them. They have two left, but they have a bye this week. Fort's on a bye. Uh, Stanton hosts Harrisonburg. Uh, Wilson goes to Western Amar, like we said, and we've talked a lot about Buffalo Gap and Waynesboro. But Luray at draft is another big ball game. And if we weren't covering the Waynesboro Gap game, we'd be covering this game because this is a huge 2B football game. Stuart Strap didn't get to play last week. They still sit there at one and one, and I guess one because I don't know if that first game against William Rose a tie or what it is, but they haven't been able to get going. They haven't been able to really play two straight weeks. I guess they did play two straight weeks, but they just haven't had consistency uh, through their season. That's hard to deal with. And then here comes a very good 4-0 Luray team who, you know, they've beaten uh, Mountain View that plays out of Newmarket. Uh, they played Gap, Page, and Skyline. And, you know, they played solid to win those games. And they, they didn't squeak a lot of those out. They squeaked the Gap game out. But the other ones, they, they took care of business. I, this is a very interesting matchup. And as all the credit we give to draft, I do have a little, hey, <laughs> they've had multiple bye weeks already this season. Uh, what Are they going to be at the spot they need to be against this 4-0 Luray team who's looking great last week beating Skyline? Yeah, I'm interested based on just kind of like you touched on there, the fact that they haven't been able to get kind of a consistent flow in terms of the schedule going. I don't know if Draft will have any problems this week, though. I just think I think Draft will come out with a hot start, and I think that's going to really determine. I think in the first quarter, you'll know how the rest of this game is going to go. If Draft gets yeah. out to a hot start, they're going to blow Larray off the face of the earth. If it's tight at the end of the first quarter, I think Larray hangs around because I think for draft, it's going to be, all right, yes, there's some of that rest versus rust. They need it to be rest and not rust. So draft isn't the team that has had to, last week wasn't a draft problem. It was a James River problem. So it kind of needs to show. It needs to show that, hey, we, we might not have played Friday, but we've been working. And I think as soon as you knew that James River game wasn't going to happen, you needed to be getting ready for Loray. I'm pretty sure Coach Floyd did that. So yeah. I, I'm sure they will be ready for Loray. I think Stewart Straff will come out. They will explode in the first quarter, put Dra- uh, Loray in a hole that they're not going to be able to dig their way out of. And I, I think the Cougars will tear up Loray and, and have uh, a nice, easy victory on Friday. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to really sit here and argue with you. The, the contrary points that would come up is that – Loray does have weapons on the ground with Brady Jenkins. He can do a lot. He had 264 yards of total offense last week with his three touchdowns. Uh, Kenny Fry is a name draft fans are going to hear next week. He had three touchdowns last week. Um, you know, some of these other to Ansel and, um, 
and then Jake, and you, these are familiar names from Stuart Strafts, familiar last names. I think we're looking at some little brothers from, you know, this, this little Ray team that's been on a good run here. You have Nolan Jeffries there in his sixth season. He's been really successful there, 40 and 17 over those six seasons. He's getting them to the playoffs. They're winning a lot of games. They really haven't found enough success to win a district in that time. Uh, but this could be the year. I mean, they sitting at four and zero. This isn't going to hurt their district standing here. But you know, they're looking to win the Bull Run district with you know wins already over Page County um, in the district. But they are going to have those tough uh, Central uh, our Bull Run district teams left, like Central, like Strasburg, like Clark County. So this is kind of a preview for the level of play that they're going to face. Um, you know, and maybe drafts better than all those teams I just said, but some, you know, they're going to have to play at a high level. And so this is kind of the first look at really how good is LeRae. And uh, I think, I think they'll be ready to play too. But yeah, when I look at tape and I look at <laughs> what I can look at, I, I do see just more talent at Stewart's draft. To, and, and I, I, like I said, I'm not going to argue with you. I, the rust aspect is, is something, but I, I do think too much of Coach Floyd to think that he's not going to have them ready to go. They, they, I think they had the week off before they played Riverheads too, and they came out ready to play against Riverheads. So, I, you know, we'll we'll see what they get there. Uh, but a lot to look forward to uh, this weekend. We'll, of course, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, high school football. So make sure you guys subscribe to us and uh, stick with us as, as we have these conversations each and every week here on the Yak Sports Podcast. But, Joe, let's jump into high school volleyball where – we are recording on Monday night, and Monday night, Fort Defiance had another rematch with Rockbridge County, and as much as we hope for our county teams to, to win and win and win, again, they fall to Rockbridge. Again, they get swept. They've lost six sets on the season. They've all been to Rockbridge, and uh, they, they fell short tonight. They battled them, especially in the first two games. They were right there in the 20s with them and just couldn't, couldn't get that game, and uh, – Rockbridge just continues to kind of set themselves apart in, in region three C and especially heads up against Fort defiance. Yeah, that's, that's the tough part for Fort defiance. I think this district season is not going to be a problem for Fort defiance. I think they're going to win the Shenandoah district without much trouble. Unfortunately, when they get to region three C, the team that has given them all the trouble in the world, the team that they just can't seem to get on top of and beat, is Rockbridge? That's the team they're going to play in that Region Three C championship, probably. And and if it it's if it is till this championship before they play them, okay, yeah, because they should be able to advance past mm-hmm. that if they make it to that championship game. In the spring, they did that, and and they only took the one team from each region, so they weren't able to advance. Uh, so it's just kind of the luck of the or the, the lack of luck of the draw there. Uh, so I think the district season, as you said doesn't present a lot of challenges. Just last week, they played Riverheads, one of the better teams in the district. They handled them. Um, they've handled everybody who played in district, and they probably will. I think it's important they continue to do that and not have that one slip up anywhere because they, they want to be that second seed in, yep. that, in that region, second or third. They want to be right there. They cannot slide to fourth because you don't want to play Rockbridge in a semifinal. So I think that's the big uh, story there for Fort Defiance, but uh, yeah, not, not able to get over the hump. They, they'll go on and play Waynesboro and Buffalo Gap this week. Gap has had some positive this week, but they also haven't played a team to the, to the level of Fort Defiance. Yep. Wilson will play Riverheads and draft this week. They went one and one last week. Riverheads will play Wilson. So those are the kind of, that's the next tier. And 
probably kind of including Buffalo Gap, even though Gap has lost to, I believe, Wilson and Riverheads there already. Uh, so you, if we talk about tiers for the football teams all the time. You know, here in volleyball, I think, you know, Fort Defiance is that top team that no one's touching. And then mm-hmm. it's just where is the next line after that? You know, we know Wilson Riverheads. Is it after Gap? Is it before Gap? And, and this week, we're probably not going to get any of that proven because Gap's probably not going to have the greatest time against Fort Defiance. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- that's kind of the chunk there. And what's fun about that, that's Region 3 and region, or, uh, Class 3 and Class 1 that we're really talking about this region. And uh, so it's just a, it's, it's fun that they're going to all compete all season and then in the playoffs go their separate ways. Yeah, that's well, and that's in all sports. But, yeah, for volleyball, yeah. it seems yeah, yeah, to be yeah. the Class 3 teams and the Class 1 teams that are kind of well, in, football, in the upper the echelon. Class 2 team in draft uh, making some noise. So Yeah, <laughs> but – uh, draft, I'd say, you know, wherever, if it's a, a tier below Wilson and Riverheads or if Gap is in that tier with Wilson and Riverheads, um, I'd say then there's another step, right? Like, so if it, even yeah. if you're saying Fort, Step, Wilson, Riverheads, Step, I think it's Gap, and then I think Gap is alone then on that step. I, I don't think Draft or Stanton is on that same level as Buffalo Gap, and, yeah. and Waynesboro is not either. Yeah, and they've just taken the battle of COVID so far this season. So lots still to look forward to in high school volleyball. That that gap for games is what sticks out most to me this week, but plenty of other, you know, chess matches to happen there through these other teams. Stanton, a, a team, they beat TA and Broadway in back-to-back games, and then now they've lost five in a row. So when when do they have another one of those sparks? Uh, and is it this week? Um, well, they play Stewart's Draft in Waynesboro this week, so teams that they're very much hoping for wins against. But when will we see another spark out of them that'll be something to watch all right jumping to ncaa football we'll start with the negative it's a win but man 21 to 10 over richmond is just you know not the rebound game that we were hoping for out of our Hokies. uh they're sitting at three and one now they are on a bye week and that just seems like relief i think that's mercy um it's it's just the offense is just not producing the way they should when we have an offensive minded head coach who has his guy at offensive court. I just, I mean, I know last week we were packing his bags and the line that got called out to me, uh, you, you don't care what Brad Corson's good at <laughs> other than how good he is at packing his bag and leaving town. Yeah. Uh, that got repeated to me uh, this week. Uh, but I, it, it, this, this has reinforced it. And it's, I mean, you just needed to see a nice, 21 point lead at halftime and sail from there. And that is not at all what that game was. No. And I think, which is surprising because we were told last week that if anyone can iron out the minutia of details that need to be figured out, it's Brad Cornelson. And then this week happens and it's like, well, you know, we're just not, we got to, during this bye week we need to sit down and figure out what works and what doesn't. We're like, well, what have we been doing? The offense hasn't worked all year, so okay. Uh, problems. I'll tell you and, what and, and look, here's the other thing that was brought up this week. Uh, for the quarterback whisperer of a head coach that we allegedly have, he yeah, has not developed a single quarterback in his time here. Our quarterbacks have gotten worse since day one. They The most talent and upside they have ever had is day one when they step foot on campus. Every time he speaks to them, they get dumber. It's like on that uh, when Billy Madison is rambling nonsense. (laughs) 
And the guy says, you're awarded no points. At no point did you make any sense. I award you zero points and may God have mercy on your soul. That's what someone needs to be saying to Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson every time they talk to our quarterbacks. And the, the thing is, you say their best days are their first day on campus. Also, you know, when they get in the when game. When they leave the and transfer. Day, yeah. yeah. When half the kids transfer and they go play at Tennessee and they light it up. Or North Dakota State and they play it, light it up. Or Maryland and light it up. You know, that's, that's what we keep seeing. That's a reoccurring thing where we do see at least some success after they get away from us. Where you, you take it here, at least on the roster. Maybe, you know, maybe not all these guys. Hinton Hooker should be starting for a football team right now. I'll, I'll say that. I'd take Quincy Patterson, too. Maybe some of the other guys you would maybe not want as your starter pass that, but you need that depth on your team because you never know what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's also troublesome from the quarterback standpoint is that they're going to play Knox, and they're going to bring him in. And I guess they just predetermined, what is it, a third or fourth series? We're bringing him in. They pay no attention to where they are in the field, the situation of the football game, the flow of everything, the pressure on the offense to finally do something good. Here, go in there and get it done. And you're, and he doesn't. And I'm not even going to blame the kid for that. They put him in a bad situation in the shadow of his own end zone to throw his first pass as a college player, and it didn't go well. Who'd have thought? Everybody. They got intercepted. Yeah, it gave Richmond a touchdown and tied the game. Exactly. And so it's just, and when I heard that quote after, we didn't really factor the the situation into the to to it. Like, uh, what are we, then what are we doing? That's, then what are we doing? Then just write your play, write your plan for the game, lay it on the table, and, and go to beat ups during the game. Because if you're not going to think about what the situation in this game is when you make decisions like that, then what are we doing? Why do you even need to be on the sideline? I mean, goodness gracious, that's terrible. And and honestly, as hard as we were on Cornelson, uh, on Brad Cornelson, 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 last week, I don't know why his name escaped my mouth on that one. Well, he doesn't. I, it, you don't have to pronounce it right. He didn't that impress stupid. me this week with his play calling. But honestly, I didn't see as much. Golly, Brad is terrible this week. I just saw lack of execution, lack of our players being in a position to succeed, and it still falls back to the same coaching, the play calling. We're playing Richmond. It better be it better look better. It minorly looked better. But just being in the right position for our players to succeed wasn't there. And that's, again, troublesome because that's how he showed up to the West Virginia game. We can't have a summer of preparation before every one of these football games. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah, we have a bye week before this Notre Dame game. But Justin Fuente sucks at bye weeks. Yeah, a bye week is almost a hindrance to this football team because it's more time they get to listen to him talk about whatever he says that is not intelligent to put into their heads home after a bye week. Yeah. And and then we get creamed and Notre Dame's going to kill us. And I'm sorry. I I just don't, this guy is a failure. Um, You saw it already today. The Fuente stands on Twitter, like, Oh, Virginia Tech fans. Oh, we need a bye week because people are being really negative. We're three and one. Well, by the grace of playing two garbage teams and uh guess what a north carolina team that's not that good yeah a north carolina team that's been exposed as maybe not that good so we've played we've played zero good teams we've had zero good teams on our schedule and we lost to one Uh, we suck 
we suck. We don't have any good players. We don't have any good coaches. We just straight up suck. And to all the people who keep sitting here like, oh, Fuente, you know, you can't fire anyone. You know, that if you fire true. people, you don't believe in them. That's not the hokey way. Well, why don't you just shut the hell up and just go watch UVA? If you want to be a loser for the rest of your life and not care about football, then go watch UVA because 500 football is fine there. That's fine. It's not fine here. It's not good enough. And you're a loser, either by choice or by birth. I don't care. Stop rooting for this team. You're an idiot. You have no, you have no brain cells. That's, defending Justin Fuente at this point, when he, when he said that, like, oh, we didn't really take stock in the situation in the game when we put Kadem in. I was like, you know what? That's cause. They shouldn't even have to trigger your buyout. They should be able to say, uh, sorry, that's negligence. That's not safe. That's negligence. We're not paying you a dime of your the rest of your contract. You're gone. I don't care what you do after this, but you are not coaching at the Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University anymore. Never again. In fact, if the governor wanted to do the right thing, he wouldn't even let him in the state. The state we police would escort him to this the is state where we line. Need mandates for. Yes, Northam, if Northam was serious about protecting our (laughs) citizens in Virginia, he would have the state police escort him to the state line and make sure he never comes back. Yeah, where's the the governor news conference at 2 p.m. about this? Yeah, that's the, yeah, I was stunned when we didn't have one today at 2 o'clock. I was like, I don't feel safe. This man is in our state. I don't feel safe. Well, speaking of 500 at UVA, they're 500 because they lost to Wake Forest. And, I mean, Wake absolutely controlled them. You know, Wake's undefeated. And if you lose the game to Wake, maybe okay. Uh, You know, from where you thinking you are as a UVA football team this year. But they absolutely got handled. And that has to be a huge disappointment because that offense had been scoring points this season. It wasn't lack of points losing these football games they put up 43 42 and then their only loss coming in this game they put up 39 it's just they gave up 59 at the same time uh so all of a sudden their offense just goes quiet and they lose to wake forest at home and absolutely were handled and that uh, that's got to be probably a wake-up call for some of those uva fans before the unc game that were saying hey why aren't we ranked um, you know, we are two and oh, we have good offense, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of said, you know, let's wait till after the UNC game before we say this. And I didn't throw them under the bus after the UNC game because I still thought, hey, scoring 39 points isn't the worst thing. I mean, you can score it. But now I think the wake up call is fully here. Losing the last two and, and in the fashion that you did against Wake Forest, I think the eyes might be wide open there for uh, UVA fans. Yeah, but you know what? As bad as this week was for UVA, I'll say this. If your name's not Duke, you have a chance to win the Coastal. That division sucks. Virginia Tech sucks. North Carolina sucks. Pitt's not any good. Georgia Tech sucks. Uh, everybody there, UVA sucks. Duke is just, Duke is beyond suck. To say Duke sucks is offensive to everyone else. Like, uh, that, that division is They're so the bad. the suckers that ever sucked. That division is so bad <laughs> that none of them should be allowed to play in a bowl game this year. And the fact that Miami well, and North Carolina were in the preseason top 25 shows you how pointless top preseason top 25s are. Well, I think a lot of things prove that every week. I mean, Clemson's still in the top 25, so. Uh, oh, because their name is Clemson. Yep. 
Uh, so the interesting thing, I think the one positive for UVA, I, I like this. I know it's not monumental, but they got a series with Coastal Carolina announced today where they'll play yeah. three times between now and 2025. I like that for both programs. I like UVA not being scared to take on a, uh, a team from the Sun Belt that's kind of showing itself. Uh, I think if I'm a UVA fan, I like the trip to Myrtle Beach in 2024 and in the third week of September. I think that sounds nice. And then hosting them twice. I think that's Mm -hmm. good. So I I like that series. You know, that's not, you know, you're not having Auburn come to town or something. That's not some top tier SEC team. But I think that's a solid uh, non-conference opponent to set up a series with. That's not, you know, Old Dominion. It's a top 25 team. Yeah, right now. Yeah, you, that's the only worry on that is if the coach leaves and, and, that, and the program kind of falls back off. But, hey, I think still it goes back to my Myrtle Beach in September uh, is not a bad, a bad problem to have. Uh, JMU was on a bye. They play this week against uh, – we didn't talk about who UVA played, but uh, JMU plays at New Hampshire, uh, another ranked FCS team. It's on Flow Sports, so Joe and I won't watch it. No. Um. UVA plays Miami Thursday. That's what we miss talking about. So quick turnaround for UVA off after a disappointing loss. They're going to play Thursday night, lead the week off, uh, which is a great weekend of football, uh, but they're going to play Miami. And I mean, one of those teams UVA, will be eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. You say UVA versus Miami and you're like, UVA is underhanded. I don't know. Miami's terrible. I mean, you just, you just told me how bad they are. So Who's to say? Yeah, somebody has to lose that game, and that team will be eliminated from going to the ACC championship. But that's sure. So that will get us going for the weekend that uh, we have, and we'll come back around to that. There was other big games this week. Uh, Notre Dame beat Wisconsin. Not a shocker, uh, but they pulled away from them late. I'd say the shocking part was Notre Dame lost their quarterback and still won that game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. I did forget about that. I was watching. I honestly didn't have a lot of that game on. I had two screens, and I was watching Riverheads play on the second screen. So uh, I did remember seeing that, uh, but I didn't watch it live. Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M falls to Arkansas. I think that's a little eye-opening. I thought, as much as I don't like Jimbo Fisher, I thought Texas A&M was bringing heat this season, and I thought they were going to be a factor. Um, So now Arkansas is trying to kind of plug themselves into that Texas A&M and Hole, and uh, they're going to try to prove that immediately by playing Georgia this week. But that was a big win for them last weekend, and, and they played that on a neutral site, but that was that was a big win. Was a big win. That was also a game where Arkansas' starting quarterback was out for a good portion of it. He got knocked out in the middle and came back at the very end, but there were key drives where the backup quarterback was in and Arkansas held on and won that game. It's interesting. It's like those teams have like multiple quarterbacks in their quarterback room that are capable of coming in. And when their coach says they feel confident about being able to throw the ball and have multiple quarterbacks who are good, they actually mean it. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, This game surprised me. Oklahoma beat West Virginia. That's not surprising. I thought West Virginia was going to get rolled in the game. I don't think Oklahoma is that great. I just thought – no defense on either team. It's Big 12 football. Oklahoma is going to get Spencer Rattler, Rattler fired up. That kid is out of the Heisman talk. If anybody wants to talk about being him winning the Heisman more, I'm going to stop talking to that person because they don't know what they're talking about. They only win 16-13, to 13, a late field goal. I, I just kind of was amazed watching. I had that on the second TV at night. That, was, that just surprised me. I blame myself for believing in Oklahoma. That's my fault. They have yeah, at every turn modified belief at every turn. They have said, don't believe in us. We suck. We're not good. 
The only reason we're number four is because our name is Oklahoma. And and they proved it again. And this was a game where they stunk. And I know Kirk Herbstreit's like, well, I don't like when they're when the home fans are booing their own quarterback. Well, I I can say this. I, I'm sure the home fans don't like already. losing to West Virginia. So, like, I, I don't care. Those kids, he's having his scholarship paid for. I've seen beyond QB1. That kid's confidence is not an issue. He is an absolute jerk of a human being based on the little bit that I saw in that show. And I am absolutely loving him struggling. I'd love for him to get pulled. And I, I just think he's a problem there. He's not good. He is not good. And the thing is, that apparently locally in Oklahoma, he's already like, he's, he's all these commercials. He's going for Not surprising. He's, he's really taking advantage of the NIL stuff. And so he's, he's putting his face out there. He's putting his name out there even more. And he's, he's not really backing it up. The interesting thing about the NIL, it's got to be guaranteed money. It can't be based on performance. It's got to be, here's an agreement. That's the mo- amount of money you're getting. And so uh, I Well, think that's the other thing with NIL, right? The, yeah. A lot of this, oh, well, they're amateurs. Okay, well, now they're amateurs getting paid. So, all right. Yeah, but they're also <laughs> this might affect some other, you know, this might make some companies like, hey, here's a Heisman candidate that's just falling off. Maybe we need to kind of chill on some of these deals or – or wait a little bit. I, well, I think I think that's probably not going to happen because I think a lot of these boosters just have more money than they know what to do with. But I think the booster-related NIL ones, sure. But I think I mean there is some legit companies that aren't just you know from the. I think as as far as Spencer Rattler is concerned, there. he won't see any NIL money next year. He better go pro. Um, the surprisingest game of the weekend. Surprisingest <laughs> is a word, right? Yeah, uh, sure. NC State. They beat Clemson 27-21. And I say that was the most surprising game of the weekend. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I said it was going to happen. I said, Clemson ain't scoring. NC State's going to beat them. Like, that's that's what's going to happen. I know you thought that. We weren't together. But I know you had your money on Clemson not covering the spread. Yeah. So you were thinking the same thing I was and protecting yourself in case Clemson still won. But, I, hey, I, I'm i not shocked because that offense is not moving the ball. I cannot believe the quarterback. He was fine last year. I, he still has weapons. I, I'm i seeing a lot of issues with him. I, You know, I, a week ago, I think I was hearing people talking about the weapons. I He's not making good decisions. Yeah, he's not making good decisions. And the ACC this year is not good as a whole. Um, yeah, the ACC's I, done. ACC, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that after they two lost. ACCs and two Big Tens. Yeah, I love that when uh, they lost, the play-by-play guy's like, what do you think this does to Clemson's chances of making the college football playoff? I was like, well, I think they're – I don't think it changes them because I think they're dead. Like, I, <laughs> they're gone. There's You don't have any hope of the college football playoff because you just lost the second game. NC State, to their credit, was in that game. The entire time, they didn't give up, even after their kicker missed – Oh, man. I'm so happy for that kid because that's what I do feel bad for because he's not famous. He's not popular. He's not, you know. He's got no NIL deal. There's no Beyond K1 <laughs> show on Netflix, like, highlighting kickers. Like, the only time you know a kicker's name is if his name's Justin Tucker or he just missed a field goal that cost you a game. Like, so I, I'm so happy that NC State found a way to win this game and, and bail him out. But, man. If you're Clemson, this is this ends the college football playoff for you. This opens up 
Clemson not being in the ACC championship, which is another reason that it sucks that Virginia Tech is also not going to be in the ACC championship game because we're going to fall flat on our face come conference play now because our coach is an idiot. Um, because It all comes around to that. Because <laughs> NC State is playing well. I actually think NC State has a good coach. I think they've been building toward this, and now they're starting to kind of put it together, and you're starting to see, hey, NC State's got something going there. Um, it highlights the disappointment when they played Mississippi State. I, I thought they yeah. at least fare better in that game. I thought I picked. I think that's it, ACC I thought, though. I think that's the ACC. Yeah, yeah, I think the ACC I, I, is the worst Power Five. Uh, them or the Big know. Twelve. It's it's a real interesting competition between those two this year. But uh, I guess you give the advantage to the Big Twelve because Virginia Tech lost to West Virginia. I don't know. Something like that. Looking ahead, I'm excited about this weekend of football. I think just because I won't have the stress of watching our offense go three and out. Yeah, that's uh, the, the best part of this week is Virginia <laughs> Tech doesn't have to lose. At noon, you got number eight, Arkansas, who just coming off that big win against Texas A&M, playing Georgia. So, hey, Arkansas, you woke everybody up. Now <laughs> go play Georgia. Try to score. So that's noon on ESPN. And then at 2.30 – Cincy, Notre Dame, that's a game we had circled in August, and that is Cincy's shot. Hey, Cincy, UCF wanted this kind of shot. Uh, TCU used to want shots like this. Boise State's had their turns. Hey, Cincy, you have a shot. You have a top-10 opponent that you have a chance of beating here, and here's your chance to make a name and really put your name in the mix for this playoff at the end of the season that you'll probably still get screwed out of somehow, but at least you'll have a top 10 win to speak of. And uh, here's your shot. It's do or die time. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be a big game for Cincinnati. I got to look. I haven't watched as much Cincinnati as I did last year, so I need to no, look. you got to pick them. You better pick them. Um, I'm going to root for them. <laughs> I want to go back to that Arkansas-Georgia game at noon. I, oh, I I'm glad K.J. Jefferson – it got back at the end of that Texas A&M game because if yeah. he hadn't played, I really don't like Arkansas's chances. I still don't pick them to their win. Defense is gonna, their defense is going to have to be Their good. defense is going to have to be amazing because yeah, Georgia's, Georgia's defense, defense is. Yeah. Uh, so I, I am – that's going to be a great game, though. There's great games all throughout this slate. Uh, that game, I'm, I'm the 230 game, going. I'll let you keep going. 330, Alabama hosting Ole Miss. This is that Ole Miss run-and-gun offense that I thought, hey, can it cause some chaos in the SEC? Hey, they're number 12. Here's a shot against Alabama. This is the biggest target they have all season. That's the 330 CBS game. I, just the afternoon alone just has me excited. I, I Just those three games and one overlapping the other and then overlapping into the next, I'm just I'm pumped for that slate. Yeah, I think that's going to be great. I, and I tell you what, I didn't give Ole Miss much credit a few weeks ago, but – I think seeing what Florida's offense was able to do, and their offense isn't great, but seeing what their offense was able to do against Alabama now, and Alabama's defense hasn't been that good. I think we gave Alabama's defense a lot of credit for what they did to Miami, and then we've seen Miami struggle to score, period, and we're like, oh, okay, yeah. it's actually not that hard to stop Miami from scoring. So, um, yeah, I think Ole Miss and Alabama might be in a shootout, and that'll be exciting. The night games, I, I think it's interesting because of where Clemson mm. sits now. And I think Boston College is a little dangerous. I think uh, they did lose their quarterback, so that's something to probably bring off the table. But still, I think that's a, an interesting game to see how Clemson responds now that they're not playing for a national title. I think do those four- and five-star recruits put their heads down or do they buckle down and, and show what we're used to seeing out of them? It, it, 
only offensive success will change any kind of momentum there. I mean, they can hold Boston College down in points. I'm expecting that. Their offense can have to come alive for me to think much better of Clemson. Any comments there? No, I'll say the other game, and then I'll say my thing. Number 22, Auburn, is going to play LSU at ESP, on ESPN at 9 o'clock. I love those late SEC games that you can get. Uh, we haven't had any yet this year. Uh, we've only had the Pac-12 on late night on ESPN, so I love those 9 o'clock start ESPN games. And this is a good example of one. I know LSU is not national championship win in LSU, but these two teams always play interesting football games against each other. And you know LSU is capable of beating number 22 Auburn. So I, I'm excited. I'll, I'll stay up and watch the end of that one. I don't, I don't make it to the end of Oregon and Stanford, but I'll stay up and watch this whole one. That's interesting because Oregon's actually pretty good. Um, I know, but I never make it. I, I'm just being honest. Yeah. Well, that's that's nice of you being honest. Usually those beers. I'm glad I'm glad that the good games are loaded up in the afternoon because I can miss both of these games and be okay. Like I've yeah, that's fine. Yeah, there is uh, another event that I will have required attendance for in the evening, and I will not regret missing these games. So that's fine. Yeah, the afternoon's going to be great. I'm excited about that as well, um, and just not having the stress of the Hokies playing is mm-hmm. not a problem with me. All right, on Sunday, you know, I, th- I was pretty boring. I don't think anything exciting happened for any of our three three kind of local teams that we talk about, right? Nothing exciting happened for the Ravens, did that? Yeah, the NFL record was broken by Justin Tucker <laughs> because he's amazing. It was, it was crazy. I He needed every yard uh, he could get out of his leg to bounce it off the crossbar, and I held my breath there after it did because I can't tell on TV where if it went the good way or the bad way. And once I finally saw the officials put the hands up, I was like, oh, I think the people behind the field goal, when he kicked that ball, it was actually going near the post and they go and sucked in. I think that helped that ball go whatever it takes because it was I mean, just that was a that was a Disney movie. That wasn't even like that was the story of that field goal getting made is like Disney straight to video. Like mm-hmm. predictable drama, you never would. It was just never like this. I mean, that was absolutely to break the record to win the game. Wow, just wow. I mean, it, it wasn't the Super Bowl when it happened. That's the only thing lacking in this. But man, and that would have been a pretty defeating loss to Baltimore, losing to Detroit, and uh, they got a little luck and favoritism, I think, a little bit down <laughs> to get ah. to that opportunity. But then they made the most of it with the, with the best kicker in the NFL. They, I heard that the game clock in the stadium and the TV were not synced up. There was a two-second difference. So oh, I hadn't heard that. And that, that wasn't the game clock. I had seen clock. that. Yeah. yeah, the play clock, I mean. Yeah, I had I, – because I was thinking that too. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, now we're going to get a delay but game. And it. then we didn't get the flag, and I was like, <laughs> oh, all right, whatever. Yeah, no, I'm not going to complain. Um, <laughs> but I will say this, and this is something that drives you crazy. I'm going to say it again. As, as great of a win as that was – I got more enjoyment out of watching Pittsburgh and Washington lose. I get more enjoyment out of watching my rivals have their hopes crushed than I do out of me winning. You get joy out of watching the football team lose? I just feel sorry for them. No. I get I mean, more I, joy. I will say I had my confidence. I, I'm in two different confidence or uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, survival pools where you mm-hmm. pick one team. Yeah. And I, me being me and me, Mr. One Bracket. I picked the same team for both sure. my confidence pools. 
And so I had Buffalo in this one, and it scared me the moment I picked it. I nearly switched to Baltimore at one point during the week, which I'm glad they didn't because I would have. Ah, it would have been interesting. You still would have won. <laughs> I still would have won. I probably might, wouldn't have made it through the process. Um, but <laughs> I don't ever feel happy when Washington loses. I, I, I guess Pittsburgh I, I mean, was I more be, joy. Pittsburgh was more joy than I, Washington. But I'll give you that because when Baltimore loses, they would have lost Detroit. I'd have had joy. So I'll, I understand your feeling there. But Washington, I don't. I just feel sorry for him. It's perpetual negativity and depression. It's just, I don't, I don't find the joy in that. I guess because my brother's a Cowboys fan. And so, and they're playing now and whooping up on the Eagles, which I'm enjoying. Um, But, and so it kind of makes me root for the Cowboys a little bit. Um, And that's why, because I know he doesn't like Washington. Whenever Washington loses, he gets happy. So that makes me happy. Um, but, my closest friends are Washington fans, so that's uh, probably the difference. Maybe. Um, but, like, Pittsburgh, when they lost to the Bengals, originally I was upset because I had believed in Pittsburgh, um, but for investment opportunities. But then I was like, you know what, though? It's okay because it's Pittsburgh and they lost. And now they've just realized they had to come to the crashing realization. Like that kid on The Simpsons laughing on the school bus, chuckling, I'm in danger. Like, that's what the rest of their season is. Like, yeah. Big Pin is done. Like, that was painfully obvious in week three. Uh-oh, our quarterback is done. Like, he, his career is over. And Losing weight and being honest didn't really help him. No. And um, it kind of goes back to, you know, even, like, talking about Saturday. UVA losing to Wake Forest was more enjoyable than Virginia Tech's win against Richmond. And that's not just because Virginia Tech played crappily against Richmond. It's because I was like, all right, well, hey, they're not happy. Good. Like, yeah, I think. I don't you know. and I talked I, about this, I think, during the tournament. We have. Virginia we, we Tech that. winning that I, tournament I, game didn't mean that much to me. Didn't mean as much as UVA getting bounced in the first round. That, would, that meant so much more to me. And that night, I probably agree with you. It just, I think it does matter the situation. I don't mm-hmm. generally take more joy in somebody else's, in my rival's negative than my team's joy. Oh, I do. But, like, I think you still, I think there's moments when, especially when that game's on by itself on Friday night, I took a lot of joy out of that. But when we play, like, a big team, like, if we could knock off, like, a Clemson, one of those home games we've had in the last five years, that way you had an opportunity. If we could have won one of those games, I had more joy in that than any UVA loss. Okay, maybe any UVA loss, but if you're asking me, would I rather Virginia Tech win one of those games, or would I rather UVA be in that game and lose? I'd rather UVA be in that game and lose. I disagree. Then, like, I, I think we've said this before. I think we're rehashing old arguments. Like, yeah, I. No, rather, it just hit me again this weekend. I'd rather us beat Clemson than UVA beat Clemson. Like, we've been in a cha- ACC championship against Clemson, and so has UVA. And I would rather us win than, like, I, I'd rather us have the win. Yeah, it just came up in another conversation for me this weekend. And it just, like, rekindled it. And I was like, I absolutely do. Like, I absolutely. like. But you're, you know, burn the, you know, the glaciers and all I that. am. I am very scorched earth. Yeah, no doubt. Very scorched earth and very, you know, just want to see the, uh, the enemy miserable. And so... Well, 
I'm tired of talking to you, Mr. Negative. Let's talk to somebody more positive that has something positive to talk about. Let's go to the B Block and Coach Dan Rolf of the Fort Defiance Indians, who won last week. We'll have him next. All right, B Block time here on the Yak Sports Podcast. And this week, we had a rush order to get Coach Dan Rolf from the Fort Defiance Indians after their big win last week coach it doesn't get much more dramatic than that the way you guys were able to come away with a victory on friday night there oh it was a great high school football game uh and we were just on the good side of things uh it was was a fun game to watch yeah i mean just it was funny because uh we're covering for the radio game of the week and, and uh, covering the Stanton Waynesburg. By the end of the broadcast, we're calling play-by-play off the NFHS feed from the press box uh, at Gypsy Hill of y'all's game. And uh, just the incredible plays that you guys had towards the end uh, with the lead changes. But the, just talk about the confidence you had in your team going down for that drive and, and coming up with the big plays it took to set you guys up for that field goal. You know, we have just – we had hung in there all game long, and Rockbridge is an excellent team. Uh, and we had two goal line stands, one right at the end of the half. And I think with each defensive stand we had, the kids got more and more confident. And then all of a sudden, I just knew if we could just be in a game, that they would get that feeling. And, and we got that feeling. And I, I will not forget this as long as, as I continue coaching. We got in that huddle right before we got on the field for that last drive, and they said, Coach, we got this. And uh, that is the God's honest truth. I think they believed in it, and they made me a believer. Coach, I want to talk about, you know, with this team, kind of the lead up into this week. Uh, When we, we talk about everything that happened in the Rockbridge game that went right, but in the lead up, you know, it, you guys had not had the season you had been hoping for and, and all of a sudden to kind of put this together against Rockbridge, which is a team that I've, I've called for defiance Rockbridge games. Um, and they've been close games, but you guys always had been on the wrong side of it. What was the message to the team leading up to that week? Because it kind of felt like, you know, the week before, you know, man, it's another tough loss and, or the game before another tough loss and th- things just aren't going right. How did you guys get that team focused and ready to go into that game? Talk 
talk about some of your individual players. You know, I think the the highlights in the in the paper usually catch Trey Miller and Riley Miller quick because you know a lot of your stats and scores have come from those guys. But talk about some of these other players that made really big plays for you, especially down the stretch of this football game. Yeah. down conversion right there at the end on that last drive. Um, Will uh, Brooks, who kicked the game winning field goal, uh, he just missed a touchdown earlier in the game. It, you know, it, it just kind of feels like uh, uh, everyone is starting to kind of find their, their place on this team and fill in. Uh, Jacob Shifflin had a great game uh, as kind of a rover back. With as much as Rock Ridge likes to pass, he had a terrible week or a rough week against Broadway. And then, man, he was just all over the field. He was in the perfect spot. So it was good to see some of these young kids kind of learn from their mistakes and, and, and get better. So the next game for you guys is Wilson Memorial. You know, how do you build off this success? Because this is a win that, you know, I know everyone in the Fort Defiance locker room knew you guys were going to win that game going in. I, I know that's the message, and, and that's great. But <laughs> – We'll, Frankly, we'll for us, <laughs> yeah, we got it wrong. That's fine. We'll eat that. Um, but how do you build on that success after this upset against Rockbridge now playing Wilson, another team who is, you know, people had expectations for this year, but I think even Wilson is kind of surprising some people with how well they're doing this year. So, and, and all I've seen is, is a couple games, probably the same. Well, you guys got the call, but all I've seen is them on film a little bit from the NHSF cameras and, and we've kind of looked at that and I'll go scout Friday night. This is our bye week, but it, you know, it, it's a local game. It's a rivalry game. So in terms of getting the kids excited, I shouldn't have to do any of that. You know, the big thing for us is control what we can control. And that is if we can just, you know, as good as the win feels against Rockbridge, we still have a lot to work on. And so we got two weeks to kind of polish some of those things and, you know, like I told the, the, the kids in the locker room, you know, our ninth graders are no longer ninth graders. They've played five games starting at the varsity level. So I think, I hope that you'll see some improvement and, and then with the feeling of, hey, we can play with these guys just like anyone else. Coach, uh, looking a little bit more to the future, I know uh, Joe's talking about the next game, but uh, just taking a step back, and I know a lot of, a lot of you coaches, especially in season, don't like to look too far ahead, but We've heard all season about the youth on the roster. We've seen it. We've seen the, the names popping up of who's getting the ball, who's making the block, and they're all, you know, young guys, just like you're talking about, and, and they're getting older. Talk about this, the, the youth of this team and, and how you mold them at this stage. You know, you're not dealing with seniors and motivating them to play with all their hearts in their last game. You're really building and building. Talk. I mean, that's an approach that we usually can't hear about. Uh, talk a little bit about – dealing with these young players over the over the course of the whole season? You know, the hardest part for me is trying to convince them that they're good enough. And, you know, for, for a lot of ninth graders in particular, they feel like they should be playing JV, and they should be. 
just with the way the numbers worked and the type of kids we had, we we knew that they could play at this level. We knew it as coaches, uh, but a lot of it's been trying to convince them as players that they're just as good and they're good enough to play at this level. Looking now outside of football, uh, when you're not... Which he probably doesn't do right now. <laughs> yeah. On the off chances, there's something outside of football going on in your life. Uh, what is a show or, or a book maybe? I know we got a lot of readers that we bring on here. Something that, uh, for our audience to either read or something to watch that they could be doing uh, outside of sports. Oh, man, you're going to put me on the spot. All right. Uh, so I'll give you two books that are my favorites. Uh, my Good. absolute favorite book of all time, The Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Uh, Atticus Finch is my all-time uh, favorite character of any book. I, he might might be my fictional hero. Uh, Paul Newman would be my actual hero. Okay. Uh, and, and then The Art of Racing in the Rain. All right. Well, there you go. Great Thank answers. you, Coach Rolf. Yes. Great answers. Yeah, we really appreciate you having you on. Uh, we we really look forward to you all having a little break here, but then getting you all guys back on the field. We've been rooting for you all season, uh, just just like we always root for we, – we want all our local teams that we cover for the radio channel to win, and now that they're all in the same district, it's a little harder. Uh, oh, it's really so hard, happy yes. You failed that win this week, and you can build on that confidence. We're really looking forward to seeing what you guys make of it. I appreciate it. Thank you all for having me on. So, again, thanks to Coach Rolf there. We're going to talk about that game. We didn't talk about it in the uh, A block because we wanted to wait till Coach Rolf came on. We know there was some audio issues uh, for our listeners there. So, uh, Joe, let's talk about a little bit what he said just to kind of maybe catch everybody up in case they missed a word or two of what he was saying there. But, you know, it, what I took away from Coach Rolf right there was just the excitement uh, that he had. And I think that's common to Coach Rolf. Every time we've ever interviewed him for, for stuff on the radio, uh, that's a common thread of him. And you can really tell – you know, there's a lot of positive in, in the energy he brings uh, as a coach. I, I, I love hearing it. It, it. it, You know, I came from a different style in football. Not, you know, not saying uh, Coach Casto is never positive. It's just um, just that that different uh, extrovert kind of way that he comes out. I really love hearing that energy from him, especially after a win like that. Yeah, I thought uh, you can always tell that you're right. And Coach Rolf, not that any of the coaches in the area don't, you know, love the job they do and love the kids, but it's easy to tell with him just because of how excited he gets anytime we ask him about Fort Defiance. It doesn't matter if Fort Defiance is, you know, having their best of seasons or their worst of seasons. He's always excited about it and looking forward to the next time he gets to see his team and work with his team. And uh, that's awesome. And I, I think, you know, when we talk to him, you could hear him talk about, you know, in the weeks leading up, how, how they needed to you know, kind of get right and get focused. And I think, you know, it, Coach Rolf, I, look, I'll say it. I'm glad Coach Rolf had confidence in his team. I'm glad those kids had confidence in themselves. Because when Rockbridge County kicked that field goal to take the lead, part of me was like, ah, crud. Like, so close, and they're going to come up short against Rockbridge again. Like, but then they went right down the field. They got a big play, and they made it happen. And that's awesome. And I think – Looking at Fort Defiance and what they've already, you know, they, they've won this game. Now the question is, can they win another game on their schedule? You know, I, I'm not going to rule it out. Uh, no. Rockbridge County is a team that has the ability to throw the ball. They're a two-threat team. 
and they took that away. Rockbridge County did not have a lot of success against Fort Defiance. They struggled to put up points. It was a 17-16 ball game. So they only put up 16, and three of those were on a field goal. So I felt, you know, from Fort Defiance and their standpoint, this is a great opportunity. They're heading into a bye week. They can kind of enjoy this one a little bit more. Now, the problem is going to be Wilson Memorial, and we asked him about that. You know, it's a, it's a rivalry game, so the kids will be up for it, and you never know what happens in a rivalry game. But Wilson Memorial is a really good football team. You heard Coach Rolf talk about that as well. That would be a concern just because Wilson has a lot of weapons. They have been great at running the ball. And, you know, for Fort Defiance, no matter what happens the rest of the year, nothing can take away from what they accomplished this week. It's a huge, huge win for that program, and especially as young as they are. Leland, you and I talk about this all the time. Yes, they're young, but you, you're getting to the point of the season where you want to see growth. We saw and growth. He hit, on that. he hit right on that. His freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. They're five games experience. I, I love that point out of him. And coming from the coach that he makes that point uh, because that's what he expects out of these guys. And, you know, they've had positive moments in these, in these previous games. It's just putting it all together for a whole victory. It was just great to see this week. And, um, yeah, I, I, it just makes it all easier. I think, you know, the hardest thing to do is in, in high school football, I say this once every other week, is is learning how to win and, and you can't do it without doing it. So, you know, it's the chicken and egg situation. Like, how do you know how to win unless you win? And, and now they have a win. And so that's, that's my main reason I wouldn't rule out a win or rest of the way. I'd be more doubtful if they hadn't won this game going the rest of the way. And now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm back to thinking they have a good chance. Like I did at the beginning of the season of them knocking off a game or two uh, here in the district. One thing I'll say about coach Rolf at Fort, even during their previous downtime, uh, where they had, you know, the 22-game losing streak or whatever it was, they had games against very good draft teams um, that I, I, we called one of the radio, I remember, draft coming to Fort, and it was a one-score game at halftime. And I just wonder if they're able to do, especially thinking about the Wilson game, that's what I'm wondering about. You know, can they, in their next game, you know, hold them back a little bit, make it closer at halftime. Now these kids have this history of winning, <laughs> this memory of winning, and they can go into that second half with a lot more confidence than, than maybe they would have without it. So I, I'm really optimistic uh, for what they can do with this victory. And like you said, e even if it doesn't start producing tens of, you know, a bunch of wins down the stretch of this season, that's still a big moment there and something to build off of with a lot of young guys. Yeah, you know, you look at the game after Wilson is Stanton. That's a game that now it's a winnable game. It's now a winnable it's a winnable game. game. It was a winnable game before, but now you're kind of like, okay, I, you know what? This looks a little more winnable now. You beat a Rockbridge team that, frankly, thumped Stanton. So, yeah, uh, yeah Stanton is they're struggling right now. Uh, we we talked about that already in the A block, but you know, Fort Defiance is is a team that now you can they have hey. You know what? As young as this team is, finishing not last in the Shenandoah District is an accomplishment for them. You know, we we talked about in this preview, we didn't think playoffs was in the future for this Fort Defiance team. You just wanted to see growth from beginning to end. We're seeing that that's what that's success is. This is a sign of that. Yeah, yep. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, thanks again to Coach Rolf coming on. We're sorry for listeners for some of that audio. I know, I know you should have been able to hear at least some of that uh, fairly well, and you probably struggled through some of the rest. Uh, our fault on that one, uh, Coach Rolf was was happy to come on with us, and we uh, <laughs> we'll make sure uh, the next time we have him on, it's it's perfectly clear for all of us. So, 
Uh, let's get out of this uh, block and let's go to the D block. D block time here on the Exports podcast. And what is dominating my life? Uh, I'll just go first. Ted Lasso season finale came out. So we've had two full seasons now of Ted Lasso. So basically, I'm telling you this on the podcast because you said you were going to wait to binge the second season. It's time. Go do it right now. Okay. I'll take that seven-day <laughs> trial and try to knock it out. <laughs> but it was good. Uh, another good season of that show, and it's already renewed for another season. It's on the Apple Plus, um, but find a way to get it, people, because it's, it's a great show. Everybody that I talk to that watches the show enjoys it, and that's a range of uh, – of people of in how they enjoy entertainment. It's not just sports fan. I'm talking to it. Just everybody loves it. It's not so sports centric that uh, you have to be into sports or European soccer to like it. Um, I think Jason Sukatis does a good job. If you Sudeikis. don't like Saturday, I, I hope I said it close to right. Um, if you, if you didn't, if you don't like Saturday night live and you're like, Oh, this is a Saturday night live guy. No, this show brings a lot more heart and a lot more story than any, individual skit on on Saturday Night Live can and it's 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 a lot of emotion in the show and the season finale uh really drove a lot of very emotions what I like best about this show and and I'm not trying to be um spoiler alert by any means I'm just trying to kind of rehash the recommendation we gave a few weeks ago and just say like this show is not as predictable you know not everything is rosy not everything's negative. It's just, you know, it can go either way. Surprising things happen. And they hit on topics and deal with emotions and personal issues that you're just not seeing on other shows. And they might frame it with some humor. Uh, they might make it lighter with some, you know, lighter storylines in between the more serious stuff, which I find very enjoyable. And and so I, I really enjoy this show. Um, is it the... Best thing I've ever watched on television. I'm not saying that. But it's one of my favorite things that's been going on lately. And I've been watching. I, I kind of hate watching shows one week at a time now. But with Ted Lasso, I knew I couldn't wait and, and binge. And so that, that tells me how much I think of this show. That I did have to watch it every, once a week and, and one episode at a time because it's that good. And, I, and it's great. So I just highly recommend it to all our listeners. I know Joe's going to watch the second season now. And uh, I can't wait to talk about it. He's got two weeks to watch it because we're going to talk about it in two weeks. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I I won't trigger. I'll watch it in a week whenever I trigger that seven day trial. But I yeah. need it to be before October 9th. So mm, no promises. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I you know I liked the first season. I'm looking forward to the second season. I think it'll be interesting. I think the first season might have been slightly better just because I think the the surprisingness of how good it was and the unexpectedness uh, wasn't expected. So sure. uh, I think that first season might st stand out a little more and they did well at the Emmys. They were nominated like crazy. And I know Cicadis won for um, like best actor and stuff and, and all deserved. And I think a lot of people have really given it the respect that it deserves. Um, so I cannot give it a higher recommendation for, for anything. I definitely watch it. It's a, it's a must watch my book. All right. Well, what is dominating my life has been F1. I told you about the F1 Drive to Survive um, show on Netflix and how much I enjoyed that. I finally 
uh, since I finished that show, the first Grand Prix happened on Sunday. That's not a weekly thing like NASCAR. Um, so I got up How early. Different seasons in F one. Are they running like four different? seasons? Nope, just one season. Time, like soccer. Just cool. one That's season. Cool. Um, the races are like an hour and a half. No commercials. Loved that. Um, got up early because the race was in Russia um, this week, this weekend. So got up early to watch it. Watched it. Uh, it was exciting. I almost saw someone win their first ever F1 race, uh, but they stayed out because in the rain, they still race. So they stayed out. Other drivers went into the pits to switch up their tires. This guy was like, nope, we're not doing it because the guy in second is the guy going for his 100th F1 win, which is a record, by the way. Um, so he was he's like, you know what? No, we've got this track position. He's going to have to go in the pits. I'm going to be able to expand the lead. I'm sticking with it. Uh, unfortunately, he spun out because of that decision because he didn't have any grip on the tires, and the guy passed him and won his 100th race, uh, which was a bit of a bummer. Uh, but it was exciting. The guy who won was named yeah. Lewis Hamilton. He beat Lando Norris, uh, who was the pole sitter. Uh, Lando, I like, I like that. Yeah, I'm, so like uh, you have... The other cool thing about F1, so you have the individual drivers, which are going for the individual championship, but then the other important aspect is each driver has a teammate. And they're going for what they call the Constructors' Championship, which is the team championship. Each team has a manufacturer of the car. So there's Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton drives Mercedes. Mercedes is in the lead of the Constructors' Championship right now, I believe. There's Red Bull, which is, a, I believe they drive Aston Martins. Um, but... Uh, that's Max Verstappen, who had the points championship lead until this week. And I uh, believe his teammate's name is Sergio Perez. But anyway, Lando Norris drives for McLaren. And uh, they are having a pretty good season. Ferrari is a team. Uh, there is an American team, Haas, uh, which will sound familiar to NASCAR fans because of Stuart Haas Racing. Haas uh, it puts money into an F1 team. They're not very good. Uh, in fact, I think they're last right now, uh, but uh, they're in it. So if you're looking for an American team to root for, there's that. But I've, I very much enjoyed the first race. I loved how quick it was. I was comparing it to NASCAR a little bit. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so much faster than NASCAR. Uh, and there's no commercials. I love this. And I can't wait for the next one. I'm excited. I still want to drive good. one. Even after seeing a guy catch on fire in the show, I still want to drive one. So let's do it. Hey, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I, I, I watch like one race a year. I think it's in May, and I wake up on Saturday morning, and it's on, and they're like in the streets of Monaco or something. The Monaco Grand Prix? Oh, I can't wait. Is that in May? Maybe. I don't know. I think so. I, I, I watch that one because it's on like on a Sunday morning in a time when – it just seems like that's the time I always catch that one, and it doesn't get met with great review in the rest of my house. So I don't think I'm ever going to be jumping on the F1 bandwagon, but I'm, I, I like that you're enjoying it. I hear the things that sounds good. You know, no commercials, hour and a half. Sounds nice. Yeah, and it's great. And, the you know, you get to see – I mean, they constantly have the overlay of who's behind who. Are they gaining on them? Are they falling behind? You get to see all kinds of strategy in terms of when to stop, 
how many, you know, like with the rain, that was a different strategy. And you heard them, yeah. you heard the crew chiefs talking to the drivers and the drivers talking back the entire time about like, well, the rain's this far out. The rain's this far out. The rain came with five laps left. And it was in, like seeing the number of drivers that went in to get to switch the kind of tires they were using. I was like, mm, that's interesting. I would think track position, but then you just saw, like, I was like, man, I just feel like this guy is going to, he has like a 26 second advantage. I feel like he's going to be able to hold him off. And the one announcer is like, look, even if he loses six seconds a lap, he still wins. Well, that's not counting for him to spin out. So once he spun out, it was kind of it. And, uh, that was heartbreaking for him, but yeah, super exciting stuff. And, uh, like I said, I can't wait for the next one. The next one, uh, I got to look and see when it is, but, um, I'm trying to find it now. Oh, the Turkish Grand Prix, October 8th. So that's not this weekend, but next weekend. 4.30. Oh, that's the practice. When's the race? 8 a.m.? I can do that. Yeah. October 10th, 8 a.m. Doable. What a day. (laughs) Good to hear. What do you know that I need to know? Well, coming back to America, uh, Major League Baseball is getting ready to wind up their regular season as they head down the stretch. The Yankees, unfortunately, have stormed their way into what looks like the top wild card position. Um, Well, they've won six straight. Boston's lost three straight because Boston's going to Boston. But Um, they won a bunch right before that, so that's why they're still in the second wild card spot. (sighs) Toronto's only a game out. Seattle, believe it or not, is only two out. Oakland's three out. I don't have a lot of hope for those other teams. It kind of feels like the AL East teams are probably going to be the ones that have something to say about it. In the National League, the Dodgers are definitely in. The Cardinals, I would be stunned if they're not in at this point. They've won 16 in a row. That's they've, a team that... like six games up. Yeah. They'll uh, clinch like tomorrow. If, if the Dodgers beat the Cardinals... In the one-game wild-card playoff, I like the Dodgers to win the World Series, but the fact that the Cardinals have won 16 in a row and are so hot heading into the playoffs, I would not want to play them in a one-game series if I'm the Dodgers, and I'm sure that is why the L.A. Dodgers right now are looking at the NL West standings and the fact that they're only two behind the Giants, and they are hoping desperately to catch them. Yeah. I think that's the most interesting thing on the National League side is just if the Dodgers can surpass the Giants this week. Um, American League, I think a little more out in the open. There's only one game. I mean, it's all these ALS teams, uh, East teams with Toronto and Boston and New York. I'll tell you, the way it sits this moment today, I guess, before before Monday night's game, so Monday afternoon, you have Boston and New York playing the play-in game, and you have St. Louis and L.A. playing in the National League wildcard game. Major League Baseball is just fine with things sitting right there. <laughs> they want those traditional blue-blood teams <laughs> sitting in those wild cards because that would be the two highest rated wild card playoff game since its inception a few years ago. I mean that I mean the Boston New York wild card game is Major League Baseball's dream for the wild card. Now they'd rather see them in an ALCS playing each other, but they'll take what they can get right there and have them sitting right there will be just fine with them. Uh but yeah, that would be incredible for Major League Baseball. I don't like it because uh, I know I'll get sucked into watching that one game wild card and it's the darn Yankees and Boston who has definitely worn on me because they don't, you know, they're not the never was team anymore and they spend a lot of money, but somehow still try to pretend they're the never was team. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't know who I'm rooting for at this point. 
uh, the Braves are sticking out to me, I guess. And uh, Tampa winning never really bothers me. So it's probably in that area. I'll, I'll wait till next week before I put who I'm rooting for uh, because there's a lot of evil empires colliding here. The Shy Sox. Yeah, I just don't like Tony LaRusso. Oh, I don't and like Tony LaRusso either, but I'd like those in. players to win. It's pull me in. Yeah. Um, I will say Toronto does have three games with the Yankees coming up. So Toronto, if they want to make the playoffs, it's this week. They got to win this series. They probably need to sweep, but winning the series would keep them alive. And then the Yankees have Tampa for three. Um, and hopefully Tampa is not playing for a lot. Uh, Tampa and New York do not get along. So I think Tampa, if they know they can knock the Yankees out of the playoffs, they might be a little excited. And you know what? Tampa's I'll say this. That one seed, though, aren't they? I'll, uh, yeah, but again, they might not. Uh, that the only reason I think that might matter is in terms of starting pitching. But Setting I think up pitching. Yep. Yeah, I think the they'll still go for it. I will say this: if it comes down to the final three games, and the Yankees are losing to the Rays, and the Jays just need to beat the Orioles, I hope the Orioles do the right thing and lay down. <laughs> Throw those games. I don't care. Bring up some guy from. You know, single A Delmarva, who has no future. Yeah, Yeah, who has no future of (laughs) ever pitching in the majors. Let this be his one shining moment to go out there and get clubbed. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, Buster (laughs) Olney's already accusing us of tanking anyway. Let's just go ahead and do it. (laughs) Have have been tanking. They're not accusing you of tanking. You are tanking. Whatever. We're just not. We're just <laughs> not, not very good. I accuse the sun came up like uh, not. I mean, we're just not very doing. good. I think we're going to start spending money this next off season. I think I next think season we're going to start. On the field. The players on the field are not tanking. Are yeah. not throwing games, and I don't think you're really saying uh, even the way you presented it that you're not telling the players not to try. You're just saying get the worst players possible up there, and that's what they've been doing so let me correct myself then i would tell those players not to try against the blue jays if that's what it took i'd be like look guys we're not trying do not try lay down a movie about the 2000 yeah uh, 21 you know what this is chris davis's big day let's have him go out right in style let's put him in the game let him pitch (laughs) let him hit yeah shohei otani's got nothing on chris davis let Chris Davis do it all and let him get lit up and strike out five times in a game. I don't care. Just, yeah, don't win. Get swept by the Blue Jays if that's what it takes to get the Yankees out of the playoffs. I hear what you're saying, but uh, I don't know if agree is a word that I throw See, towards it. See, this is another example. The Orioles losing, but the Yankees getting knocked out of the playoffs would bring me more enjoyment than the Orioles winning and the Yankees getting in the playoffs. Because your team already is terrible. Next year, maybe a different story, but we'll see. We're not going to be in the playoffs next year, but I think we'll start spending money and actually start fielding a team that is actually meant to compete. Okay. What I know that you need to know is that I think Bridgewater College women's basketball just made a heck of a hire because they went and got episode six interview guest from the Yak Sports podcast, Angela Mickens, Angela Muff Mickens from Stanton High School and from JMU Women's Basketball fame. She will now be the assistant coach there, one of the assistant coaches there at Bridgewater. And I'm excited for the opportunity for her. I love that she's back in the area. 
and uh, will be coaching locally. And it'll give me a reason to kind of root for Bridgewater women's basketball, which is something I wouldn't just do uh, off the cuff. So I'm excited about that for her. Um, you know, her brother is the head coach of Robert or of, of Stanton High School. I did well the first time through. <laughs> but uh, uh, Mickens is the head coach for the boys team there uh, at the high school level. And now a sister's coaching at the college level up there. And uh, that's I love it. I love that she's back in the area and back will be, be back in the news. Yeah, I'm glad you added the last two qualifiers of her playing basketball at JMU and coaching Stanton's girls team as that's why Bridgewater hired her and not because she was episode six's guest on the Yak Sports podcast. I think that might have hurt her, but they probably said, you know what, despite that, we'll still hire <laughs> you. If I miss said something, I she hadn't coached at Stanton uh, High School, uh, but her brother does. But yeah, oh, okay. I think her playing such great basketball for so long and uh, she's getting her master's degree, I think, right now, too. Um, in well, she deserves so. the shot. And I'm glad, oh, yeah, I'm happy for, I think she'll be great at that. And uh, I think Bridge, I think you're right. Bridgewater made an excellent decision. I think we're going to see good things out of her coaching career, and I hope this is just the start of it. Yeah, and Nikki Newman's coaching at Radford right now, and uh, so that's cool. I, that was the JMU women's team that I went to the most games of. I, you know, we followed them for years because they've been great, and uh, um, Coach Kenny had them playing great for so long there. But that was the kind of the section that we went to a lot of those home Sunday games. Uh, especially when they had those local players with Nikki Newman and um, and uh, Mickens and uh, oh the other girl that I'm blanking on all of a sudden from TA, uh, but they were all great. Kirby so Burkholder, yeah, Burkholder. So uh, you just got you got Kirby, yeah. We a lot of that. So I am excited for all to hear what they're all doing, and so I'm glad she'll be back local. So just want to make sure everybody had heard that news from the beginning of the week here. And uh, that, that's what I knew that I didn't think you knew. Yeah. Well, that will do it for us on the Yak Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're subscribing on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode. Follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod or on Facebook by searching Yak Sports Pod. You can also email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. To interact with us, be sure you are interacting with us. We do want to hear from you on you know, what you think, you know, do you get more enjoyment? This is something I want to know. Do you get more enjoyment out of your rivals failing than your own team's success like me? Or are you more like Leland and probably a rational person and get more enjoyment out of your team's success than other people's failures? But uh, what do you think of the Steelers? Do they still have a chance to win that division? What do you think of the NFC East? Is oh, this man, Dallas's we, we, we division to lose? I was, I was happy not to have to really talk about that. Is this Dallas's division to lose at this point uh, since they're going to beat the Eagles barring an epic meltdown here in the fourth quarter? Uh, We've seen that happen in front of Dallas before. They've had a historically bad defense. I'll just close the podcast on this. Dallas is going to win this division because their offense is still as good as it was, and their defense is not good, but it's not bad. It's not historically bad. It's not good, but it's not historically bad. And that's good enough for this offense to be able to get in the playoffs and win that division. Uh, but anyway, until then, folks, be sure to follow us, interact with us on Yak Sports Pod, Twitter, and uh, Facebook. And then uh, we'll talk to you next week. Until then, folks, we hope you have a great week and a good weekend. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.